You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? Serving it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumbling Midcast Network, sponsored by Picasso's Pizza. I'm Bruce Nolan. That is Nate Geary. And this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F words. That's right. Food and football. The third one is flushness because we're flush. We're flush with ideas. And cash. Not cash. Not cash. And all sorts of wonderful things for tonight's show. Mm. Nate, we are back to the guests. We are back to the guests. But first, let's just take a second. I'm Liam in the comment section distracted me and said, food family and FBI. I'm actually shocked (laughs) I haven't used that one yet. At some point, I will use that one. Well done. Food family and FBI. It's too good. If you are watching on YouTube or if you're listening, you will notice that I said a little something there, Nate. I said something about the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. You did. That's right. The Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network is now brought to you by Picasso's Pizza. My wife's favorite Favorite. pizza of all time. Ladies and gentlemen, I should have used food, football, and fate. Mm. That's what I should have said. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, as a reminder... Hit all the engagement buttons, like, subscribe, mm-hmm. rate, review, any YouTube super chats greater than $10, get a Genesee pint glass. Make sure you are following at Genesee Brewery on Twitter and DM at Nate Geary Sports. Proof of the super chat and the Genesee follow, and we will take care of you. Now, mm-hmm. you will, you might know what's coming next, and that's we're going to talk real quickly about our friends Genesee. Because since 1878, Genesee has poured generations of brewing knowledge into each pint, can, and bottle of their beer. Nate is wearing the t-shirts. They make no sacrifices when it comes to their beer. Brewing each with the highest quality ingredients for a consistently great drinking experience. Look for Genesee beer, Genesee light, cream ale, and their specialty line with beers like Ruby Red Kolsch and Oktoberfest. Genesee Brewery, Rochester, New York. Nate, we have got a packed schedule we are well, going to move on as fast as possible. We're going to start with the idea that it's training camp. 
And sometimes things can be a mirage in training camp. And sometimes mm-hmm. you're not sure what you really think about things the first week in training camp. So we're going to talk about foods you're still not sure about. This idea that you always have to have a take on something, Nate, is exhausting for me sometimes. Well, uh, listen, I mean, we're in a we're in a taking world. We 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 have takes. We like to take things. We like to have takes about taking things. It's a take to take era if you think it's about a it. take eat take world is that what you're saying yes it's a take eat take world there's no doubt about it and you know when i was little i could have sworn that they were saying doggy dog it's a doggy dog world it's a do- it's a doggy dog such, it was only when such I was like, innocence from you when man. i was That's seven it. my mom was like it's it's, do- dog, it's dog eat, eat dog world and i was like and oh, you're like what? what oh no i have made mistakes so there are some foods that we've talked about on the show that we love and there's some sh- foods we talked about on the show that we don't like. But then there's things in the middle yeah, where we're not really sure. And no matter how many times we've had them, maybe we've only had them once. Maybe we've had them twice. And they just don't. We're not sure what we think about them. Nate, what kind of food is it out there that you're still not sure about? So the funny thing is, you know, everyone knows my my broad hate or displeasure for a mayonnaise, right? Like, it's just not a... It's not something that um, here. This is kind of a perfect example, right? Because I don't really know about it. Because how about this? The other day, my girlfriend made, I mean, Bruce, when I say a tub of mac salad, a tub of mac salad. But when she uses, when she makes a mac salad or potato salad or something that usually mayo is that sort of root ingredient that is kind of binding it all together, she'll put more sour cream in. Just to kind of like, you know, appease me. She'll put mayo in it. I know there's mayo in it, but I can, you know, it's it's hardly recognizable for me. But she made this tub of mac salad. And instead of like just a standard mayo binding, she put like a bunch, like I think four hard-boiled eggs in there. Again, it's a big tub. I ate the whole thing like in four days. I ate a whole tub of mac salad this week, um, which I'm sure is good for the LBs and for the calories. Um, but... It was almost like it was bound together with deviled egg yolk. Does that does that make sense? Like it was kind of like instead of just standard mayo, it was like deviled egg yolk was kind of the thing that bound the whole thing together. I love deviled eggs. Um, but recently uh, there was a chicken sandwich that I really wanted to get and it came with mayonnaise. And you know what? I or It came with aioli. Didn't I, I, and, and if I'm being quite honest, Bruce. Aioli is sort of blurring the lines here a little bit, right? Like, is it mayo? Is it Mm. not? Uh, I, I, again, I don't know, but I got the uh, garlic aioli on this chicken sandwich because I said, you know what? Like I should just do it. I should just do it. And, but the problem was, is it came with the aioli on both sides of the sandwich. Like Mm -hmm. there was a lot of aioli and I don't want to be the guy that was going to take the bun off and like wipe some up. You don't want to be that guy. Nobody wants to be that guy. I didn't finish the sandwich. And I was like, this, the chicken was really good and the bun was really good, but it was just like, I, 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 I put my neck out. I, I decided to go with the sandwich as it, as is, instead of asking for no mayonnaise or no aioli in this instance. Um, so I guess if the jury's still out on one thing, it's kind of like where my overall hatred of mayo is because my girlfriend tries to slip it in as much as she can. She just, she, she tries to trick me and does whatever she can to try to slip mayo into foods that I eat. Um, but as long as it's not by itself and like kind of like a primary feature of whatever I'm eating, whether it's a sandwich, um, you know, whether it's like a dip 
or like people put like the aioli on fries. That's a big no for me. Um, so I think as long as it's like fifth or sixth down the line of things that are prevalent in the dish, I think I can live with it in some cases really enjoy it like that max ale that I had this week. So I still hate it. Um, but maybe I'm warming up in certain aspects. Well, aioli and mayonnaise are used interchangeably and they're not. Aioli is um, garlic and olive oil and mayo is like the eggs and canola oil. So they're used. Yeah, they're used interchangeably, but they're not. People use those phrases interchangeably, but there there is a difference between mayo and aioli. Um, So there is egg and aioli. Right. Uh, no, I don't think there's egg yolks in aioli. So I am looking at, well, not egg yolk. Well, this is what I've got. Aioli is a cold sauce consisting of emulsion of garlic, salt, olive oil, and often egg. Hmm. Hold this on. is interesting. Hold on. We're, 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 having, we're having a breakdown Leanna. right here on the show, guys. Right here on the show. Leanna. Traditional aioli is essentially a garlic oil and not mayonnaise. I think she's got her headphones on. I don't think she can hear me up there. That's what I'm. That's what I'm reading. I, I, she decided, would know. I decided to Google it. <clears throat> Aioli versus mayo. Yeah, I, I googled it. Okay, so this is terrible. Absolutely, just horrible content. Just the worst <laughs> possible content of us googling things here live on the show. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining in my head that somebody is working out tomorrow morning. Yes. And they're listening to the show and they're going, what in the ever-living idiots? What are they talking about? What is the point here? What are Nate and Bruce even getting into? And I'm like, you know what? We haven't even been drinking, guys. We haven't no. even been drinking. So no. my food that I'm still not sure about is garbage plates. I made a comment that I'm not a garbage plate guy, but yep. I'm willing to make adjustments to the garbage plate to, to find make it yours. my perfect garbage plate. So I am willing to do that. I'm willing to make adjustments. I'm willing to change the meat sauce a little bit. I'm willing to go without mustard. I'm willing to maybe go without ketchup. I'm willing to go with hot dogs or home fries and you know things like that. I'm willing to make adjustments to try. You're starting to veer away, though, from the core principles of the garbage plate, which well, for traditionalists, here's the thing. Like, I'm a Buffalo guy. Um I, there was in college, I had, so all of my roommates in college were from Rochester. So very proud Rochesterians, 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 they were very proud for being from Rochester. So therefore there, and, and one of them, uh, and, and it's funny because one is from Greece, one is from Spencerport and both have very strong takes about who has the best garbage plate. So each of them took me to their place. One was Nick Tahoe's, which is apparently like one of the originators of the garbage plate. And the other, well, and we'll ask Jay Skursky, our guest of the Buffalo News here today, because he has been in Rochester all week. I saw Matt Perino had posted that he had had a garbage plate. So we'll ask Jay what his take is on the garbage plate. But ultimately, Bruce, the garbage plate, I think, is is kind of like you kind of got to stay between the lines a little bit because you're mixing a lot of things. And I think the tradition especially kind of all revolves around that meat sauce. And if you're starting to fundamentally change the meat sauce, I think you're going to lose some people, Bruce. I'll keep the meat sauce, but I don't want the ketchup and ketchup and mustard on it with the meat sauce. So then what would you substitute for ketchup? Like barbecue sauce? Nothing. I'll just use the meat. The meat sauce will be the sauce. Uh, 
and no onions either, right? For you, no onions. I mean, that's. I know, I know, but I'm willing to make adjustments to make I, it to make it work. We appreciate that from you, Bruce. We appreciate that. Well, there may be some adjustments to some narratives moving forward by this be. 2022 Buffalo Bills team. Nate, here's what we're going to do. I am going to give you a statement. Sure. And you are going to tell me whether or not you are buying or selling this statement for the Buffalo Bills in 2022 based on what you've seen so far. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. Buy or sell. Isaiah McKenzie will have a bigger role in the offense in 2022 than Jameson Crowder. I'm buying. I, I assume you want me to explain my why I'm buying. I mean, if you'd like to. So I think it'd be better content if you did. <laughs> what, probably. Um, so <laughs> I'll say, Bruce, and, and again, this is I think this is something I know I had on my 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 sheet here to 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 talk to Jay about. Uh, I'd really love his opinion on this, but Yes, it's early in camp. The pads haven't come on yet. But I think even going back to OTAs, Bruce, that there was this idea, there was this installation period where Isaiah McKenzie's a, a large part of their core sets, their core personnel groupings. Um, he has looked the part in training camp thus far. And I got to tell you, Bruce, with an injury history and missing four of the first five days for Jamison Crowder, if you're talking about narratives, trying to buck the narrative that you're injury prone in a franchise that values availability and being healthy and being available on the field for the team. I got to feel like if you're Jamison Crowder, you got to get on the field quick because you're already behind the eight ball. It's not just that he's behind the eight ball. It's that Isaiah McKenzie's pulling away now. So you kind of have this two factor thing of each day he's out, he sort of drops. He takes a step back, takes a step back. And if it was just Isaiah McKenzie staying stagnant, Bruce, I would say maybe this is something I'm going to sell because the the difference between the two, Crowder can, can make that up and eventually overtake Isaiah McKenzie. But right now, Bruce, this is happening to Crowder. And if the, for the people at home that are watching, by the people that are listening only, he's dropping and Isaiah McKenzie is 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 rising and he's pulling away from from uh, from Jamison Crowder. So I'm buying uh, that that Crowder's role. Um, in this offense might be lit, uh, might be smaller than what we're seeing from Isaiah McKenzie, what his role will be. I am selling this. I'm selling it not because I don't think that Isaiah McKenzie has been impressive, but I'm going to take the money and the sample size. Sure. Over the week that we've seen so far, Isaiah McKenzie's deal once again on the open market, once again, came back once again, it's a really small deal. Jameson Crowder's deal is more significant. The market was better for him. And we have a significant sample size of Jameson Crowder being a better player. So well, they have the same cap hit this year. They do. Crowder's uh, contract is larger from a total money standpoint. Yes. Yes, because Crowder's just a one-year 1.87 million, correct? Uh, Crowder's bigger than that, I think. Hold on. Now we're going to do this again. We're going to do this thing where... <laughs> Uh, we're we're literally googling things while we're doing it. See who gets it faster? Uh, one year deal up to two million dollars, base salary of one point yeah. one, cap hit of one point nine eight. And Isaiah McKenzie's deal, um, is it is three year up to eight million? Yeah, I think it's three years, eight million. Yeah, three years, eight million. Yeah. So similar money, but Crowder's got a significantly more. For Crowder's career having far more volume success yeah. 
it's interesting to me that they're both coming in close to the same number. I just, I don't know why Crowder's market was so bad. You know, it's I a just, good question. I, I don't, I don't really know either. I would tell you that I think the injury issues over the course of his career, it's sure. tough. I mean, like you, you want to sign a guy and you want him to play 16, 17 football games and Crowder just has not been able to do that. That's gotta be it. Okay. Are you ready for the next one? Cause we're, 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 we're moving, we're, we're chugging, we're, we're, we're just making stuff happen in a, in a significant way. Okay. So you said buying, I said selling, but I'm not super strong on it. You're not right. Right. Next one. James Cook will average more. I wonder what you're going to say about this one. James Cook will average more touches per game than Devin Singletary for a four game stretch at some point in 2022, buying or selling. And I assume this is without injury. No, no injuries thrown out. Of course. Both healthy in the same game. game And James Cook will average more touches per game over the course of a four game stretch. I'm going to buy. The reason I'm going to buy is not necessarily because the one versus one aspect of this. I'm going to buy because I think Zach Moss is going to touch the ball some this year. And if Zach Moss too. And if Zach Moss is taking carries away from Devin Singletary, the one constant of that group is going to be um, targets in the pass game to James Cook. And I think they're going to want to try to manufacture a couple of standard, like, you know, ways to get him involved in the office. Handing those wide zones that we know that Aaron Cromer is going to like to run into this offense. Um, I'm going to say I'm buying it, but it's less about him versus Singletary. And it's more about, I think, Zach Moss poaching some of Singletary's carries. I actually don't disagree with you. I think that there might still might be some some Zach Moss carries, but I don't think there's going to be Zach Moss or Devin Singletary cutting into James Cook's receptions as much as Zach Moss will cut into Correct. Singletary's carries. So, Correct. I am also buying this. I am buying I this that. because the key phrase is touch. That's why I'm buying it. I can imagine a game very easily where James Cook gets eight carries and five catches and Devin Singletary gets 10 carries. Hmm. I can absolutely see that happening for multiple games. So for me, I can see it happen. And one of the things I wanted to point out was I actually took polls on these questions on my Twitter and Bill's mafia so far has bought both of these things. Bill's mafia 60 to 40 is buying that Isaiah McKenzie will have a bigger role in the offense than Jameson Crowder. And Bill's Mafia is buying 60 to 40 that James Cook will average more touches per game than Devin Singletary wow. for a four. I almost stretch. feel like I'm on the wrong side of history then. Yeah, they're they're all okay. Here, well, let's, let's try it again. No, I don't want to try it again. I, I, I am not moving off of it. I just feel well. A let's try less... with the next one then. Ooh, I love it. Bill's buy or sell. Nate. Buffalo will average fewer Josh Allen runs per game in 2022 than in 2021. By a uh, big reason is going to be because of the use of the running back out of the backfield in the past game, dumping the ball down. I think there's going to be uh, a larger use of the screen game, but don't get this twisted. I don't think it's going to be by a lot. I just think that the average, I think that they're going to want to start to peel him back. I think there will be less designed runs, Bruce, but still probably close to the same level of scrambles or, or, you know, non-designed runs from Josh Allen. I'm going to buy, excuse me, I'm going to buy it as well. And Bill's Mafia is also buying it. 80-20, mm. they are buying it. 
and they think that the Buffalo Bills will average fewer Josh Allen runs per game in 2022 versus 2021. Next one, Nate, buy or sell. Okay. Cam Lewis is on the Buffalo Bills 53-man roster week week one of 2022. Buy. Absolutely buying it. I think he has been fantastic in training camp. I think this is a guy that's taken a little bit more. The 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 coaching staff, Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott, have given him a little little bites, and he's taken them. He's he's perfected it. He's run with it, and he's he's asking for more. He's taking more. He's taking more. He's taking more. He's the perfect example, Bruce, of development and how good this franchise is. Is developing undrafted free agents. A guy that was playing down the road. Um, you know, down the 90, down the 190 here in, in, in Buffalo. And they take a guy who was a really solid Mac level player and turning him into, I think, a very legitimate depth player in the NFL. I think that they're going to want depth behind. Um, here's the best part about, and, and one of the big reasons I think that Cam Lewis will be on the team, his ability to play both inside and outside. And I think being able to play in the slot, being able to play on the outside, I think you got Cam Lewis right behind Dane Jackson. I'm selling. I'm mm. selling again. Not because I don't like Cam Lewis. I do like Cam Lewis. The reason I am selling this is because the Buffalo Bills have exposed Cam Lewis to waivers a million times. Sure. And nobody picked him up. So if they're going to if they think they can get him on the practice squad, part of the practice squad strategy is who can we reasonably get there? And they've gotten Cam Lewis there I think like five different times. Dave, he's been yep. exposed to waivers and nobody bought. So for me, the strategy is too much. And this, it's not a reflection on his ability as a player. It's simply a strategic thing yep. for me. And so week one, 53-man roster, I'm going to go with selling. Next. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, you're on with Bill's Mafia again. 70-30. Hmm. They say Cam Lewis will be. I'm a man of the on. people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Man of the people for man sure. People. I'm sorry. 60, 60, 40 for Cam Lewis. Okay. It's 70, 30 for this next one. Last buying or selling. The bills will keep seven receivers on their initial 2022. Why am I roster. buying everything? Yes. I, I, unless they cut Jamison Crowder and I, and I don't really necessarily see them eating $1.87 million or $1.98 million, whatever he is against the cap this year. Um, but Bruce, I'll say this. I think Isaiah McKenzie's a lock. I think Khalil Shakir is a lock. And that could be the difference between six and seven receivers, Bruce. If Shakir continues on the track that he has been on early in camp, he's seeing more time. He's got the trust of Josh Allen and these quarterbacks. He's got that fluid way about him in his route running. He drops nothing. I mean, he just inhales anything that's close to him. Um, I think that they will keep seven receivers, but dress only six on game day. And I think the seven that you're looking at are. Diggs, Davis, McKenzie, Crowder, Shakir, Kumaro, and... Exactly. Wait, wait, wait. Tavon Austin. No. Really? And I know there's a little bit Shakir, of... Shakir, Crowder, McKenzie, and Kumaro. I think that there's a better chance that Crowder gets cut because of Shakir. And I think that they, I like Tavon Austin as a guy that they believe can play inside and outside. I know that's not something he's done a ton of in his career. 
but he's been lining up on the outside during training camp. He brings a veteran presence to that room. And I think he could really potentially take care of your primary kick return duties. I am selling this. I'm selling it because we finally got the seven receivers on the initial 2021 roster last year. Yep. And we know right away why it was because they came out with a ton of 10 personnel against Pittsburgh. That's and right. Then they, they almost immediately rethought that and just didn't do it. But with, go ahead. They did. They did so without really understanding what they had in Reggie Gilliam or where to put Reggie Gilliam. And now they've got Gilliam lining up as fullback and tight end. That saves them a roster spot. Now, that doesn't mean, Bruce, they have to use that roster spot on a receiver, right? I mean, they could use that right. roster spot on a linebacker. I mean, they've drafted a linebacker. and They've got uh, uh, Balin Spector, I believe, too, who I who I heard um, Matthew Smiley, their special teams coordinator, talking about today. Um, like, I, I think it's very possible that it doesn't have to be um, it does not have to be seven receivers, but I think they could end up saving a roster spot because Reggie Gilliam provides that cross reference. I mean, he's the kind of guy that can line up as your quote H back line up in the backfield as a traditional fullback. If you want to run 13 personnel, 23 personnel, whatever you want to run, you can have Gilliam lining up in line at the tight end position or in fullback. I think he gives them that flexibility that allows them to, to add an extra guy to another position across the 53. We will see. Jeffrey Danger in the comment section says, someone will pick Cam up. See, I thought too, but no one ever has before. That's right. <laughs> I mean, how many times has the Buffalo Bills exposed Cam Lewis to waivers and no one has bit? So yeah, that's right. we always say that, and I, I, I think that Cam Lewis is good enough to play on a lot of teams in this league, but the rest of the league doesn't seem to agree with me on that, at least based on historic precedent. We are going to go to the Genesee brewing company hotline and we are thrilled after weeks and weeks of really not having the guests for this show all of a sudden now we come out with a we're banger back, baby we're an back, absolute baby. banger ladies and gentlemen the man the myth the legend himself jay skursky from the buffalo news jace thanks so much for having me have be uh on our air with us man yeah of course yeah it was tense negotiations to get me on but you guys were able to hammer out the deal and we, we got it done and here i am we uh we did leave out the homework clause though that that was a that was a sticking point for jay no homework for jay yeah you knew no. yeah right exactly you I, I saw that that was becoming a thing this week and i i, I said to my agent listen that's a no-go that's, right. if that's the, what they want you know the golf clause though the golf clause that was an easy yes easy sell easy sell we get yeah i mean however much time we have here tonight if you just want to talk golf that's fine with me but i know four hour film review most not people necessary. want to hear about but. yes that's right. Film review, not necessary. <laughs> Jay, I want to jump right into buying and selling here with you. And I want to ask you, from what you have viewed this first week in training camp, what narrative that has been percolating around, percolating around Bill's Mafia right now, what narrative are you buying so far? Like, we know that a week's worth of time is just a week's worth of time. Sample size matters. It's still really early. Pads having come. All of those disclaimers aside. Is there a narrative that has started to make its way out that you're actually willing to buy right now, or are you out on all of them right now? Well, I, I think I would buy the idea that James Cook is going to be uh, pretty important to this offense. I, I think, you know, they're, you know, they targeted him, right? They targeted a player like that, first of all, in, in JD McKissick. They weren't able to get him. We know what happened there, but I think there was a pretty clear understanding that this team wanted to have a pass catching running back. And I, and I don't want to limit James Cook's, 
Cook's role to only that. But I do think at you know at least where you know at, at the beginning of the season at least, or, or you know we'll see. That's probably the the likeliest scenario. But I, I'm buying that. I'm buying that he is going to be uh, a fairly big part of this offense. Um, you know, am I buying that the defensive line is going to be drastically improved? I, that to me is the the tough one. Because, you know, you go out, you get Von Miller, right? And I think we all know that, you know, he's going to, you know, they're paying him to produce in a, in a big way. But what are they going to get from, uh, you know, from Tim Settle, from Daquan Jones, uh, from Jordan Phillips, from the, from the other ways that they've rebuilt that defensive line? And then on top of that, maybe more importantly, or at least as importantly, what are they going to get from those young defensive ends, Rousseau, Basham, and Epinesa? Can those guys take the next step? I think if there's an area of this team that I've been probably the most critical with, with Brandon Bean in, in regards to his roster building, it's been figuring out the defensive line. I mean, it's not for lack of resources. Right. They have not gotten the production that they want. I mean, that's both draft resources and free agent dollars. They've sunk them into the line with Star and with Mario Addison with extending Jerry Hughes, uh, with drafting Russo and Basham and Epinesa, and it just hasn't clicked. Is Von Miller the 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 piece that makes that click? Are the are those three headed monster at defensive tackle that they bring in? Does does that help them click? So I think there's a lot to to be seen there. Uh, so I, I would say that right now I'm selling on that, but that doesn't mean I can't change my mind here. You know, before the season starts, I guess. We were talking about two guys right before you popped on, Jay. We were talking about Khalil Shakir um, and Cam Lewis. And I think they're they're kind of good buy-sell opportunities here to, to throw at you as well. Um, I bought that. I thought Cam Lewis, he probably has the best chance he's had early on in his career here to make the 53-man roster. It feels like this organization, this coaching staff de- defensively, kind of keep giving him more opportunities to – to take the job, to, to find himself a depth position. And we know that he can provide special teams value as well. And then on the other side, Jay, Khalil Shakir has really looked like he walked in as a fifth round pick to see a guy is built for the NFL game as Shakir is. He's polished. He knows where to find the holes in the defense and the zones. He can play against man coverage. The thing that is that I think is exciting me the most about Shakir is it just looks like the guy has the best hands that I've seen from a fifth-round rookie. I mean, he catches everything around him. If you're looking at both of those guys, looking at their roles, are these two guys that will play a role outside of maybe just special teams? And I'm looking maybe more at Shakir than I am uh, Cam Lewis, but I, I've got the feeling – I bought that I thought Cam Lewis could could find his way onto the 53-man Oscar, but I'm, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on both those guys. Yeah, I think this is for Cam Lewis, I think this is probably the best chance that he's had to not just make the 53, but maybe even play meaningful snaps, right? Because, you know, there, there's such a question mark as to when Trey White is going to be back. And if he's not back at the beginning, does that mean pup list? If, if that means pup list, we're talking six weeks. So then you're looking at Dane Jackson, you're looking at Kyrie Elam outside, Cam Lewis is probably next guy up or, or darn close to it if it's not Saran Neal on the outside. You know, one of the things that I think this team has done really since Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier took over has been, I think they've gone light into the season at cornerback. I've always co- sort of questioned their depth at corner. And so if Cam Lewis can solidify himself as an outside cornerback uh, who does give you the flexibility to move into the slot, I, I talked to Cam actually back in June before they broke uh, for the summer. And he told me that he was even working on a little bit of safety. We haven't seen too much of that, but I think that, you know, speaks to a little bit about 
you know, what he's trying to do in terms of increasing his positional flexibility to make this roster. But there are depth jobs to be had there at cornerback. So I do agree with you. I think I think if if they keep six cornerbacks, I think five are are really safe. Right. You're looking at and again, Trey White factors into that. Is he on the active roster or not at the beginning of the season? But, you know, you've got Neil, Taron Johnson, Dane Jackson and Kyrie that, you know, are safe. So if Trey's on the active roster, then you're probably only talking about one more cornerback spot. Cam Lewis is going to have to have a good camp, good preseason. But if he does that, I think he's in the mix there. And then Shakir is a, you know, he's an interesting guy in the sense that nobody, I mean, I shouldn't say nobody, but very few thought he was, he was going to be there in the fifth round. I think universally that pick was looked at as like, wow, the Bills got themselves a player here. I'm really surprised that he lasted that long. And not to say that he's Gabe, Gabe Davis, you know, not, I'm not making that comparison at all, but the idea that when Gabe Davis came in as a fourth round rookie, the Bills didn't treat him as such. They didn't say like, all right, we're going to narrowly give you this responsibility. They said, we want you to learn every job at re- at receiver on this offense because we don't know where we're going to need you. I think there's a little bit of pl- at play there with Shakir this season where that's going to be a similar role for him because if you look at the outside depth on this team at wide receiver behind Gabe, uh, behind Davis and behind Stefan Diggs, who do you go to next? Yeah. It's a really big question in my mind. They've got slot guys kind of coming out their ears, right? A lot yeah. of guys that can play inside, but what do you do if you need an outside receiver? Can Shakir do that? Is Tavon Austin that guy on a short-term fix? I don't think week in, week out, you're going to depend on him, depend on him on the outside. Uh, is it Isaiah Hodgins? You know, he's not really popped, right? He hasn't yeah. done. But we've been waiting for him for several years now. Yeah, it's year three. Yeah. You're still waiting. So I think Shakir has a really good opportunity to maybe solidify himself as that jack-of-all-trades receiver, similar to how Gabe Davis did. And I know that's kind of a lofty comparison given you know what Davis has done with his opportunities. But if you're, if you're optimistic, if you're a glass-half-full type of a guy, I think that's the path for Shakir. One of the players who's been consistently popping, but I'm trying to not overreact to because the pads haven't come on. It's really hard to track players like this without pads is Ed Oliver. When you look at Ed Oliver and you've been around for every one of the Ed Oliver camps, is it serious with Ed Oliver? Like, are we in a serious stage in the relationship now with Ed Oliver? Because he finished 2021 playing at a really high level. And the anticipation was that the addition of Von Miller, but even probably more so the addition of Daquan Jones next to him, as a true two-gapping, one-tech defensive tackle, could really unlock it. Now, I know that with all those caveats mentioned, with knowing that they're not in pads and knowing that it's early, does Ed Oliver look different to you? Well, I I would say no, (laughs) but I mean, I'm basing that on the way that he ended last year, which I think he was playing well, and I think he's continued that. So I don't think, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's made some massive leap but I think he made a pretty big leap last year into the player that they were hoping that they got when they drafted him number nine overall. And, you know, the fact that they extend or, you know, pick up that, that team option is a good sign for Ed Oliver. You know, you use that comparison. Um, are things serious with Ed Oliver? Well, if they're dating right there, I think, I think we're at the point now where the bills are like shopping for rings and deciding, am I really going to do this? Am I going to propose? Right. Because, we're not that far away from deciding, right. is this a guy that we want to pay? Is this a guy that we want to make a huge commitment to? And 
that's a big that's a big decision, especially when you look at all of the other contracts on this team, right? I know you've got I know he's got the option year, and that gives you a little bit of runway here. But those decisions are coming up fast, and they're coming up right. furious. It's it's Poyer, it's Edmonds, it's Dawson Knox, then it's Gabe Davis, then it's Ed Oliver. Uh, and again, you know, not to veer too far off the beaten path here, but at some point that line in the sand is going to be drawn by Brandon Bean, and you wonder who's on one side of that line and who's on the other. With Ed Oliver, you know, I still think, in my personal opinion, is he's got more to prove this season. Let's see how he works with a Hall of Fame defensive end and yeah. Bob Miller. Let's see how he works with a guy in Daquan Jones who can, you know, really occupy guys, right? If Greg Rousseau takes a step, how does that four-man front kind of work in tandem, right? So I think Ed Oliver did, uh, you know, did what he needed to do in his career last year, but I don't think he's reached his ceiling, and I think he has to continue to ascend. If you're talking about paying an interior defensive tackle, right, that is not a position. And, and, you know, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean frequently talk about how defensive tackles and their defense aren't always going to put up huge numbers. So if you're at Oliver and you want to get paid huge numbers, I think you've got to buck that trend. And you've got to put up those huge numbers. So I think there's a lot riding on this season. I think, you know, if that was like the buy or sell kind of game that we were playing before, for me, it's like hold right now on Ed Oliver. I'm not I'm not picking either one of those. So, I mean, I feel like I'm contractually obligated to ask you your thoughts about this Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder non-battle because Crowder's hasn't been on the field. And I wonder if... And this is kind of going to be, maybe I'm going to lead you into an answer on this one, but do do you feel like the past for Jamison Crowder, his inability to stay healthy will hurt him even though early on, right? We, he was there for day one, but he's missed four of the, four of the first five, uh, you know, uh, training camp practices. Like, I don't want to say it's a reputation, um, but it could be, Jay. And, like, the last thing you want to be known for in this organization, on this team, is a guy that can't be available. And I wonder – I know Bruce and I were talking about a salary cap number. You know, he's got a, a 1.8 against the, against the cap this year. So I'm not exactly telling you I believe he's going to get cut if he can't get healthy anytime soon. But if Shakir keeps showing out, if mm-hmm. Isaiah McKenzie continues to take the steps and gain the trust of Josh Allen like we've seen him – and this is, Jay – not just something that people have been seeing if they've been at practice during training camp. If you go back to mini camp, there was a real, I think, transition to saying, we're going to give Isaiah McKenzie an opportunity to take this job as a full-time player. Yes, mm-hmm. they brought in Crowder, but this is dating back to mini camp too. Do you feel like maybe Jamison Crowder's reputation and his current state of affairs could hurt him, whether it's a 53-man roster spot or the ability to be an, every, an everyday player? Yeah. It's funny you asked me about that because I was actually thinking about that driving back from Rochester today. You got, you know, an hour and 10 minutes of uh, sort of silent time, right? So you all, you, you kind of think about these things. And the name that I was thinking about with Crowder a little bit was Jeremy Curley. If you remember back in, I think it was Allen's rookie year, yes, I remember the Bills Jeremy signed Curley. him and he had, you know, he had, a, he had a pretty proven career up until that point. He made the 53, and then I think they cut him after maybe the first week or the second yep. week. It was very early in the season. And I almost wonder if something like that with, with Crowder is a possibility. Like, they they decide that they want to keep him around because he's veteran insurance, but if he doesn't do something right away, 
maybe they make that move. And I, I will say, you know, a week into camp, five practices, McKenzie has been one of the guys that's impressed me the most. I mean, he, he looks dynamic, you know, and the, the thing that I go back to with Crowder, and I've talked about this with Mark Gaughan, uh, who I work with and, and respect his opinion immensely, is that Cole Beasley was so reliable in that role that you, you, you really want to be able to fully 100% trust that player. And I think the Bills could, could do that with Beasley. Can they do that with McKenzie? I don't know if they're there 100% right now. That's not to say by the end of the summer they won't be there. I mean, clearly he proved a lot in that New England game, but that you know that, that's a small sample size, as great as that game was. Can he consistently week in and week out do that? I think that's probably the question that they're wrestling with right now because – to your point about Crowder and his availability, you know, the Bills, you know, they're not going to have a lot of time for that, right? They're, they're going to need the guy on the field. And, you know, even Beasley kind of dealt with some injuries. He played through a lot, but you wonder at what percentage did he play through that stuff. And that's something that McKenzie has not, you know, he's been available, right? He's been, he's been there for them. And so they have options behind Crowder. Uh, I, I like the, I like the Curly comparison though. I, I think that, you know, Maybe his reputation preceded him enough to make the roster, but then they decided fairly quickly, you know what, we're ready to turn the page. And I wonder if McKenzie or if it's your point from earlier, if it's Shakir, if he does enough early in his career at the end of the preseason, throughout the preseason, and then maybe even into the regular season to say, we can survive without this guy. We're going to, you know, we're going to turn the page now as opposed to waiting. And the thing that I might add as a follow-up to this, Jay, is this position, the slot receiver position in, in particular, is such a field-based route runner. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a level of trust the quarterback has with that slot receiver to know that he's going to sit when he's got to sit. He's going to continue stemming his route when he's got to continue stemming his route. And him missing early valuable snaps in training camp in an offense that he's walking into without the experience, I think those two factors, outside of the factors of we know this team and Sean McDermott likes his guys that are available, that that are healthy, that can stay healthy, but you're already behind the eight ball and not you know, you're not a returning player like Isaiah McKenzie, but that's also a super trustworthy feel like position and relationship. We know that that Beasley and Allen had that really close knit relationship and they sort of kind of played off each other. They knew and he had a feel for when Beasley was going to squat or he was going to continue on his route. And I think that might really be something that hurts Crowder as well. Yeah, and, and right. And exactly. And how is he going to form that? Because what's Allen going to play in the preseason? Maybe a half. Right. It's not going to be much. And so, you know, yeah, right. And I mean, most people probably don't even want him to do that. Right. So this is it. This is the only opportunity that Jamison Crowder has right now to 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 develop those mean, you know, excluding what he did in the spring. But, you know, he's got these, you know, these few practices here at camp leading up to the season to do it. And the longer that he stays out, the less chemistry that he's going to have with Allen and the more the likelihood increases that you're right, that that chemistry isn't going to be there for a receiver that, you know, what's the slot guy going to play 60% of the snaps somewhere in that, in that neighborhood. Right. So are you trusting him week one to play 60% of the snaps against the Rams with minimal at best practice time? I don't know that you can say that. I think, I think Isaiah McKenzie looks a lot more appealing when you compare it that way. So I agree with you, you know, you know, you may look at it and be like, well, you know, it does maybe it's not a long-term injury and this is just the beginning of camp, but I agree with you. These are valuable reps, especially when your starting quarterback is going to see almost no time in the preseason.
Jay, I want to ask one more question before we get you out of here, and that's about the Bills' offensive line. From the end of last year until now, what you've seen is Daryl Williams out, and you've seen someone in who is now dealing with a rib injury. And so you look at this and you think, okay, Spencer Brown, we're kind of hoping he's going to take the next step, but he's behind by his own admission, by the team's own admission coming along. Lots of different left guards, lots of different right tackles so far in the first week of Buffalo Bills training camp. Is it something where you think, okay, I think we're going to have our starting five ready to go week one. Everything's going to be great. Or is the depth already being tested on this offensive line week one? Well, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think the depth is being tested. I would, I'll say this easily the biggest concern for me right now through a week of training camp is the offensive line. The fact that you don't have the five guys that you want to be protecting your quarter of a billion dollar quarterback together, they haven't taken a single snap together and there's no sign at all that that's going to happen anytime soon is a big time concern to me. You've got Mitch Morris and Deion Dawkins, even Dawkins missed today. So you have, you had one starting offensive lineman out there today, right? And you're getting a bunch of guys ready to protect Josh Allen on the national stage. That is a huge concern for me. You're running Cody Ford out there. You're running Greg Mance out there. You're trying David Questenberry at guard. You're trying Tommy Doyle at tackle. You're searching for any kind of answers right now. So I would say that easily the number one concern I have about this team right now is how quickly this offensive line can come together. We have no idea what Roger Saffold has left in the tank, right? We have no idea if Ryan Bates can continue to play at the level that he was playing at that earned him the contract and earned him the starting job last year. We have no idea what Spencer Brown is, quite frankly. We know he was promising, right? You know, he he unseats Daryl Williams. He moves Daryl Williams inside. But was he the same player after dealing with COVID, after dealing with an injury? So to me, the question marks on the offensive line are far and away the biggest concern that I have right now. A, how are these guys going to look together when they're all healthy? And then on top of that, B, when are they going to be all healthy? Because, you know, we're dragging here. And, I, I you know, I haven't seen any signs. You know, I know Brown is working on his own, but how close is he to team drills? How close is Saffold to team drills? What's Ryan Bates dealing with? Hopefully we'll get some answers on that tomorrow morning. But I think there are some some significant questions on the offensive line. It, it'd be the one area where I'd have a significant, like, ooh, what's really going on here right now? Jay, thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday night, being on the show, a repeat guest. So right. apparently we, we didn't scare him off last time, Nate, so I'm, I'm pretty, pretty we, happy We did about well that. there. We did yes. well there. Jay, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, find all of your work, and thank you again for being here. Hey, well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me and love uh, what you guys do. On your platforms, uh, I am at the Buffalo News, right? And uh, so my Twitter is at Jay Skursky. Uh, you can check us out at buffalonews.com. Uh, myself and uh, Mark and Catherine are out there pretty much every day at camp, and hopefully we'll have you covered. And I appreciate you guys giving me this stage to uh, to promote that. And uh, best of luck uh, going forward with you guys. Thanks again. You Thanks as well, a lot, my friend. Thanks, guys. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That was Jay Skursky from the Buffalo News. You can find him on Twitter at Jay Skursky. Repeat guest, Nate. We're getting we're getting the spot now where this show has been around long enough that we're getting we're getting repeat guests. The, are we officially at the one year mark? Are we one full year? I in? think we are. I think we are at the one year mark. Actually, I think so too. I think so too. I think we might be. That's weird. Does it oh. feel like a year? Um, I want to say no, but. I mean, kind of, yeah. It kind of does. Kinda we have does. a mailbag question, Nate. Yes. And it is one that I'm so excited. I'm so excited about the mailbag question. Jeremy says, Bruce, where do you and Nate stand on air fryers? I oh. stumbled into having an air fryer a few months ago, and I love it. I think it's great for all meats, including steak, by the way, and fish as well as baked potatoes. However, when it comes to breaded dishes like a fish fryer, chicken nuggets, I feel like the air fryer comes up short. The breading always comes off mealy as opposed to crisp yeah. and brown you get with a traditional deep fryer. Overall, though, I'm sold. What say you? I am 100% unabashed deep fryer fan. It is deep fryer. I'm sorry, air fryer. Air fryer. Okay. Air fryer. I, I, have, I have a deep fryer, too, just so you know, but I have everything. <laughs> there is yeah, there is no sense. kitchen gadget we do not have. That makes but, sense. But reheating pizza, air fryer. 100% all the way in on air fryer doing potatoes air fryer the frozen meals that you need to make and you know chicken nuggets and fish sticks and crap air fryer I'm all the way in on air fryer we do chicken in the air fryer absolutely you can do steak in the air fryer I'm down with it everything is better in the air fryer mm -hmm. so I am all the way in on air fryers Nate are you all the way in on air fryers I liked the point uh from that mailbag uh, what was his name again Jeremy, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy's point about trying to bread things in what you would do in a traditional deep fryer, right? Like you, you get your, your egg wash and you throw that. I totally agree. That's just not the setting. I think if you're going to do traditional things like chicken wings, I actually really like chicken wings in the air fryer. Um, it brings it that I think you, I think sometimes depending on the oil you're using too, the flavor of the oil can say maybe overtake some of that chicken skin flavor. Um, so I think you get all of the natural flavors from the chicken that you do when you, when you air fry it, I'm a big reheater in the air fryer. Um, uh, I think pizza logs in the air fryer is 
elite level. Um, and anything with cheese, because you do get the 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 straight like uh, mozzarella sticks, money. Um, I've done uh, I've done ravioli in there, like deep fried ravioli. Um, well, air fried ravioli in this case. Ooh, uh, and Richard Rush comes in with one that I have not tried, and I think I might need to, but I have not had a hot pocket. I'm going to say at least five years I've, I haven't had a Hot Pocket in. Um, and mostly because I don't think my girlfriend would ever let me buy a Hot Pocket. Like, that's a single she, she's a thing. blasphemous is what she Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. I, I've never asked her for Hot Pockets or to buy Hot Pockets. Um, but I, w- I almost feel a little nervous and, and maybe that conversation wouldn't go well. I think she, she doesn't, she doesn't right. strike me as a Hot Pocket gal. No, no. I would assume the same about Mrs. Nolan. Mrs. Nolan is cool with Hot Pockets. She's okay with them. Uh, So funny story. Mrs. Nolan, massive, massive fan of Totino's pizza rolls. Which are just, in my opinion, just the absolute lowest. The 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 little tiny pockets, pizza pockets. right? They're just the absolute lowest of bachelor food. I'm wondering now. I do like pizza rolls. I'm wondering if the air fryer enhances the pizza roll in a way that I haven't. The problem is, is just like my, my air fryer is not huge. It's decent sized. Mm-hmm. I can fit, I could fit 12 to 15 wings in there. Um, yeah. And then if you put the rack in, you can fit more on top. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's going to fit enough pizza rolls for it to be worth my while is my only concern on that. That's a good point. Capacity does matter. You don't want to be making your pizza rolls in shifts. Do you know what I like better than pizza rolls? What I don't know what they're called, but they're almost like little Tostito uh, taco little. Do you know what I'm talking about? They're like taco roll-ups. I do not. More great content. We're gonna be good. Hi, Joey, Nate, and Bruce on Friday nights Google for Food things. for Thought. we Google things in the middle it's of the taquitos, show? Frozen taquitos. Frozen. Oh, okay. Yes, you I've know had what I'm frozen talking taquitos. About? Yes, I enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do well in the air fryer, by the way. I'm sure they do. Andy Anderson says, should I get my family an air fryer? Yes. Liam, Liam for the save says August 6th is your anniversary. So in one week to go. So remember correctly, Nate, our first episode of food for thought was the day Josh Allen signed his extension. That is right. That is, I mean, it it was, it was fate. It's like the football gods smiled upon us. Joe Buscalia was our first guest. That's right. That is right. This show was blessed August from the 6th, beginning. We're almost exactly one year, and it'll be August fifth next Friday. So, what do we? Uh, should we? Should we do a musical? Uh, like, what do we do? I feel like we should like do like start with Happy Birthday or something like that. I don't know. Something. Uh, there's got to be. It's a one year anniversary. I'll 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 find a good song for us to do it. We got to go back to our food simile, because. Nate's got a really good one. You can always tell Wait. when Nate has a really good food simile because he pushes really hard that we don't forget it. And the food simile for this week is the remainder of the AFC East makes me feel like we might not be able to get to winners and losers depending on how long we go here, but the remainder of the AFC East makes me feel like Nathaniel, take it away. The floor is yours. I'm going to do this. And then I have to tell you what I just discovered on the internet. 
because again, we just mostly this show has turned into us Googling things. Us and Googling stuff. Um, but <laughs> Google in this instance has found something quite incredible that I can't wait to bring up. Um, so uh, the rest of the AFC East makes me feel like I'm getting side salad instead of fries with my burger. And in theory, it is the healthier option, right? And like, there's a, it's always an option for you wherever you go. Now, you don't always have the waitress or waiter say like, hey, would you like side salad or fries? Some places do do that. But I think most standard places just assume you're going with the fries, right? For me, this division should be better. Just like getting salad should be better for you. But let's not kid ourselves, right? A side salad is average at best. And for the most part, you're getting standard Italian dressing. There's not going to be a lot of, it's going to be lettuce. Maybe there's some onions on that. I know you don't like raw onions, so you wouldn't even be down with the onions. Maybe you got a couple of croutons on there. If you're lucky, maybe a little fresh Parmesan cheese shaded on top. But it's kind of a give up. At best, Bruce, the AFC East is a side salad because it could be good. It could be better. But at the same time, what you are going to get with the side salad is more than likely disappointment because you're going to watch your friend who got the French fries. And you're going to, what you're going to do is you're going to try to reach over and grab one of those French fries while you're eating your side salad that you eat in like four bites, five bites, right? So the rest of the AFC East is a lot like getting a side salad instead of fries. That's a good one. I like that one. It's a strong, strong contender. Andy Anderson says the remainder of the AFC East makes me feel like gas station roller dogs. (laughs) I'm not going to. It makes him feel like a roller dog. Like he's just. He's just kind of like I'm, I'm not sure. Warm... I'm not sure. Andy, you're gonna have to elaborate with that in the comments. For me, the remainder of the AFC East makes me feel like I'm at a buffet. And the key to buffet eating, which I recently ate at a buffet, Nate, for the first time in years. Well, COVID really almost ruined buffets forever. Right. I was at a Chinese buffet. Ooh, I, and I'll I, tell you, Bruce. It has maybe been, oh, it was definitely far before pre-COVID. I, like, I would say probably five plus years since I've been to a Chinese buffet. It had been 10 years. Wow. Before I, since I had been to a Chinese buffet. And I went there with Mrs. Nolan, and we had a strategy. Because, of course, we did. Everything has a strategy. And the key to a buffet is you can't stop your eating to like converse after plates you shouldn't you can't finish your first plate and then say you know i'm just gonna sit for a minute and then i'll go back up because then you're you're done it's too late you're done it's like breaking the seal when you're drinking you just there's also there's also a level of shame involved with a buffet so like the last thing you want to do like the thing you're trying to do at a buffet is be in and out in 30 minutes Because you're, you're you're at a buffet, you're or worse, you're at a Chinese buffet, and then you're the guy that's like going over to the weird dessert section where you're scooping Jello onto your plate, uh, and you're going to the ice cream machine. Like, I I have found that there, especially, and and I used to go to there was a Chinese buffet by my house growing up in high school. We used to ride our bikes to uh, because you know it was like 13, 14 bucks, and I just went and I just ate as much as I possibly could, right? And that was like a great thing for me at. 16 or 15 or whatever uh but it died out for me as an adult and i think the big thing was when i started to realize that like this only costs 14 dollars 
there's no way this food is quality. Like, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. There, how can they make money on 15-year-old me who eats six plates of food for they $15.99 or whatever? They're not making it on you. They're making it on the other people who say, I can do it, and they only have one plate, and they never go back. They're making on that person. Mm, yeah. It's a little bit like yeah. Costco. When Costco has their hot dogs, right? And they uh, sell yeah. their hot dogs for a buck fifty, and you're like, they can't possibly make money. They're not. They're losing money on the hot dogs. They're making money on everything else. So the one of the people who was in the leadership of Costco once approached the Costco president and said that we need to raise the price of the hot dogs. And the Costco president actually said to him, if you raise the price of the effing hot dogs, I will effing kill you. <laughs> that's a, that's an actual that's an actual quote because oh, you're okay man. losing money on the hot dogs because you're making it right. elsewhere. But the reason we got distracted, the reason in the middle of my food simile <laughs> that I feel like a buffet is because you have to keep going. You have to keep going. Mm. You have had a good plate and you're feeling good. You're one plate down. You didn't ruin everything. There's still stuff out there on the buffet that you want to achieve. There's other things on there. Listen, you have the sesame chicken. You like the sesame chicken, but daggone it, there's General So still up there with your name on it. So you will get your plate. Right. You will not reuse it because that's unsanitary. You will walk yourself up there. You will get a new plate and you will eat that General So's chicken because it is your fate. It is your birthright. It's your destiny. What you're not going to do is sit on your heels or your haunches or whatever metaphor you'd like to use for sitting and say, no, I had a plate. I'm good. No, you're not good. You get back up there and you have another plate like a man because that's what we do. And that's how I feel about the AFC East. This idea that the Bills are just going to just walk their way through. Sweeping the AFC East should not be an expectation of this team every year. Also, the dominance that the Patriots had for 20 years, they're going to write many, many, many books about that. You can't expect to have that. You got to keep going. You're not just going to coast through the AFC East for the next decade. That's just not the way things are going to work. The Patriots got really lucky because they had one of the best quarterbacks of all time, one of the best coaches of all time, and they had three other teams who were incredibly incompetent. It was the absolute perfect storm for them to dominate a division. For 20 years, but that might not happen. So you can't let up. You can't stop with one plate. You have to keep going. Got to keep going. See, I had that rant in my pocket and then we got distracted. Nate. Well, you know me, I'm, I'm good at distracting, but I, here's the problem. I, I, I can't like, this isn't like a power. Oh, wait, I don't know how this is going to work. Have you ever shared your screen before Bruce on here? Have I ever shared my screen? Yeah. No, I'm going to try. Oh, oh no. Do you know how to? I just shared it. Look what I found. Uncrustables taco bites is what we're looking at. (laughs) Uncrustables taco bites. So Smuckers makes uncrustable pouch sandwiches, but instead of peanut butter and jelly, there's beef, salsa, cheese, and taco seasoning. Yeah, yeah, but here's the funny thing: is I just truly we I, are in the end times. I was here uh, frozen taco roll-ups, and I just saw Smucker's frozen uncrustable beef. 
And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I gotta click on this, obviously. Uh, and and here's here here's what I I came up with. By the way, I'd like to point out, I am a big Uncrustables fan. Oh yeah, absolutely. Big w. Uncrustables fan. Absolutely huge W. I'm glad you agree. Well, do you want to do winners and losers before we get out of here? We should probably. All right. I think I, I think I have a feeling I know what we're gonna have for biggest winners and losers. Let's just go ahead and start with losers because we all know what's gonna happen here. Go ahead. The losers of the Arizona Cardinals organization this week. Yeah. Um, you know, re-signing your franchise, franchise quarterback, quarterback to a huge be controversial. Deal should be kind of a rejoicing a celebration. Time. Yeah. Like, and celebration. now it's it's not because they botched it. And did you see they removed it? I did. The fact that they even felt the need to do it. And they're like, oh, well, it wasn't taken as intended. How else was it intended? Exactly. Right. It's, it's a little bit like when you're arguing with your spouse and you say something stupid, right? You say something like, I'm trying to think of something really dumb that you could say. I've never said this to my wife, but I, I've heard that other people. Okay. You're just like your mother. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, oh, oh, and you go, oh, no, I didn't mean it like that. Really? Well, then how else did you mean it exactly? Right. Well, the study clause was clearly taken in a way that was not intended. It's not open for interpretation. It's a contractual clause. This is not open for interpretation, Arizona Cardinals. You put it in there because you felt it was necessary. You know why I know that? Because it's not standard contract language. You put it in there. You chose and selected to put it in there. So how else were we supposed to take it exactly? Sure. Well, it's somebody sure. else's fault, right? Always somebody, Always else's, somebody fault. else's fault. Bruce, can I can I tell you who my biggest loser is? Because it's in the same ballpark, but I'm going a little bit in a different direction on this. My right. biggest loser is Kyler Murray's agent. Because you let him sign a contract with that clause in there in the first place. And then they had to remove it. Why would you have signed the contract if you thought that that uh, I don't to, think he to, thought it was gonna leak? To but why not? It, every contract you can go like contracts are 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 you can see them like uh, Bruce. What a bungle from organization to player to agent to everyone involved should be embarrassed because this I'm embarrassed for them if I'm being quite honest. Unbelievable. Biggest winner this week, Geno Smith. Geno Smith is the biggest winner. Why? Yeah, because why? the Seattle Seahawks re-signed DK Metcalf. Yeah. And if Geno Smith is going to get an opportunity to prove he's the guy, he was going to do it because Baker Mayfield got traded to the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And he did get traded to the Panthers. It's very unlikely that the 49ers are going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo inside the division, although people have done it. Obviously, the Patriots traded Bledsoe to the Bills. Yep. The Eagles traded Donovan McNabb to Washington. It's not unheard of. It's just uncommon. But Geno Smith has his best shot probably ever. Because if you think about Geno Smith, his time on the Chargers, his time on the Jets, this is probably his best shot ever to be a starter for 17 games for a whole season, right? Obviously, they didn't have 17 games last time he was a starter. But And you're not going to trade DK Metcalf, so he's not going to have to do it with right. one hand tied behind his back. And He's got Rashad Penny behind him, who absolutely blew up at the end of last year. And they have a brand new running back there in Seattle as well. Although if it's Pete Carroll's any any indication, the 
Kenneth Walker will really get meaningful carries in 2025. So my biggest winner, probably Geno Smith. I hate to be cliche and I hate to be lame, but biggest winner this week's got to be Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, uh, having the opportunity, having the opportunity to play with the ones uh, all week to continue gaining the trust, gaining the chemistry with um, with Josh Allen as Jamison Crowder, the guy that they had brought in to really primarily compete with you to be in that position and that starting role in the number three, the slot receiver position. Um, Isaiah has had free range to take the job and run with it. And I'm not sure that he's running with it, but he's certainly trying to. We did it, Nate. We did it. We did another one. We did the winners and losers. We did we got everything in fun stuff. We We got got it all in. in. It's 10.05. Yeah. So we only ran five minutes over. I think that that's a pretty big, gigantic W. Karen says she's the winner because she just added pizza rolls to the shopping list. Well, I hope you were able to get some fun food tips from us. I hope you enjoyed the meaningful discussion with our very own Jay Skursky of the Buffalo News. I hope you loved Nate's hair. And most importantly, I hope you didn't leave hungry. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement.